Statistically Speaking is brought to you by Statista. Get your free trial today by visiting Statista.com and gain access to over 80,000 topics from over 18,000 sources. Welcome to Statistically Speaking. I'm Eric Marmon. I'm Zach Lloyd. And I'm Eamon Monahan. Uh, if you missed the podcast last week, we discussed the projected growth of U.S. recreational and medical marijuana sales. I learned what a bath bomb was. Uh, we discussed America's smartphone addiction. We looked at America's rise in oil production. And the strongest conclusion we got from that was that I would not survive in any sort of Mad Max, Fury Road, post-apocalyptic type scenario. Uh, Eamon, was there anything else you wanted to add on that? No, I agree. I Absolutely. I think you're actually dead already. Great. Um, today, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at a recent Cantor World Panel analysis that says that uh, Apple's iOS is losing ground in the smartphone market. We're going to look at some Pew Research Center data that suggests Americans and Canadians are having better days than people in Europe. And then finally, we're going to look at which online platforms Americans would want to have killed off. Anything you guys want to add to that? No, that sounds like a good plan. Great. Let's start with Apple. So according to a Kantar World Panel analysis, Apple's iOS is losing ground in the smartphone market in a number of key countries. It's down 5.5% in Japan, 5.7% in Great Britain, and down 3.7% in the United States. Making this more concerning is that these three countries are where Apple has their highest market share. So Apple also saw decreases in market share in France, in Italy, in Spain. The only significant increase they saw from 2016 to 2017 was in China. So Zach, let me start with you. What's going on with Apple? All right. So I have to preface this by saying that I'm biased. Uh, I think I got to just throw that out there right at the beginning. I am an Android user. I have a Samsung phone. Amen <laughs> does not approve, but that's okay. Um, and I also would like to preface this by saying I have to give credit where credit is due. When the iPhone was first released uh, over 10 years ago now, it was revolutionary. It was innovative. It was a beautiful piece of machinery. It was very risky for the company to throw out there. Nobody knew if it was going to last. It was the first finger-operated touchscreen telephone that had media, music, movies, and a web browser all on it. It was great. Would you call that sexy, by chance? A sexy device? No, I think it was uh, very sexy at the time. And Mm, we've seen all of the other replicants after that that have come out that look similar to the original iPhone. Everybody else was kind of chasing Apple to break into the new smartphone market back in the day. Flash forward to 10 years after that to the present day, and we've seen that Apple's really fallen behind in terms of innovation. We are seeing them every year at their annual conferences come out with new technology that seems like it's already been on the market for about five years. You guys remember the Apple Pen? Or the pencil? Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, the stylus. Yes, I had that with my Palm Pilot in 1940. What I remember from that is, if you remember Steve Jobs would say, anything I can do with a finger, I don't need a pen if I can do it with my finger. And that seemed right then at a moment when Apple was going backwards. Agreed. And I think that's exactly, to kind of piggyback on your thing, you're saying like the replicant, if you will, to steal from one of my favorite movies, Blade Runner. You know, these are replicants. These are existing extensions of the existing iPhone. What we're seeing here is the Steve Jobs effect. We've seen it before. When he left, Apple started to crash. Now, Steve Jobs, unfortunately, Apple, he's not coming back. So it really depends on how they're going to be able to move forward. From an innovation standpoint, you're correct. They haven't been innovating like they used to. Now they come up with what we call gimmicks, I think, where you have the wireless headphones that are completely useless and you can lose in about a minute. Emojis that can dance with your face. I mean, that's a gimmick. That's that's nothing new. Absolutely. And most cases, I think they're offensive. They have like (laughs) a a feces matter that is dancing and singing. That's awful. But with that being said, you know, the, the worst one I saw overall was the change of the port. 
from the headphones. Now, I love Apple. I have Apple. I use Apple at, at home uh, as a computer and also as an iPhone. But what we're seeing is the lack of in- innovation, and it's the Steve Jobs effect. There was a cult following. Now you're seeing people starting to jump off because uh, they're not as cool, and there's only so much Tim Cook can do on stage. Uh, there's actually a great commercial right now that I think is having a big impact, and you can say where they play that song about, I used to be spellbound, and, and I think that's literally what's happening is people who, uh, and we can see it here in the data, that people who were so in that cult of the iPhone are now falling by the wayside. No, I think it's a great zeitgeist commercial. I think it's a perfect example of what the market is. Yeah, and I would agree. I think that innovation and the lack thereof is really a certain huge driver for the people not buying as much Apple products or Apple phones as they used to. I think it's also people are starting to get tired of the planned obsolescence that's built into every Apple product so heavily. Even a month ago, Tim Cook finally had to admit that for older versions of iPhones, they have been throttling the battery life on purpose through developer codes that they've been sending out to all the old iPhones so your battery doesn't last as long and you need to upgrade. I mean, this is something I think that people are just starting to get tired with. They want a product that will last. They want something that is easy to replace a battery in, and Apple's just not providing that anymore. And I think that some of that silver lining, some of that shininess of the iPhone is starting to wear off. Another part that we need to look at from a market standpoint is the smartphone market is starting to mature, especially in the markets that we saw that uh, there was a decline. So in the United States, 77% of all of uh, the population own a smartphone. In China, that's only 49%. So there's still a chance for that to expand. And we've become to a place in the U.S. and these mature markets where the smartphone is no longer this thing that is something that you achieve or want to get to, like a car or a Lexus or a Mercedes or something like that. But instead, it's something that's part of your everyday life. So you no longer can charge the premiums that you would be able to that Apple has. Instead, you know, people are coming up with, you know, like the Boost Mobiles of the world where the switch to uh, and it's just become something that's part of everyday life just like you would just a normal phone plan and you can't you can't charge the prices you can. And meanwhile, you know, what you were saying there about price, I mean, right now the, there was a lot of bad PR about the price of the new iPhone X um, being in four figures and it's actually cheaper in the United States than it was in other countries. Um, so I'm sure that's contributing to it as well. And also, um, I think the question that you posed at the start, is this going to be the decline of Apple-dominated cell phone market? It really hasn't been just because of that Apple-centric mentality that Apple has. You know, they can't take their iOS and put it out on any other devices, whereas Android crosses all companies. You have Samsung, Google, you know, anybody who else is making a phone, you can implement an Android OS there. So divide and conquer or stay Apple and slowly rot, I guess. Agreed. All right, so let's move on to global attitudes. Uh, The Pew Research Center gathered data from respondents on a number of selected countries to determine whether they had a good day, a typical day, or a bad day. And the good old U.S. of A. had the highest percentage of good day recipients, 44%. Canada followed with 37%, and Sweden was right behind at 36%. At the bottom was Poland, just 11% of respondents said that they had a good day, Spain at 15%, and Hungary at 17%. Eamon, let me start with you. Is this American exceptionalism? Why are we in North America just having better days than everybody else? Let me first start by asking you, uh, Zach and Eric, are, are you having a good day? Would you call this a good day? Yeah, this is, this yeah, is sure. great. I get to spend it with you guys. What could be better? Oh, okay, great. That, that actually plays into exactly my thinking. Yes, <laughs> this is American exceptionalism. Uh, what we're seeing in other countries that are more adjusted emotionally is that they have a normal response to the question, are you having a good day? A typical day or a bad day. 
uh, a typical day is your everyday kind of day. That's what you do. In Europe, you know, just being at work, going to work, having a day that doesn't absolutely suck is considered a typical day. You having a good day would be on the beach in your Speedo, walking around, you know, like that, that's a good day. Give me a cocktail, hanging out. Maybe there's some models around. Maybe I'm in Ibiza. What are we doing? But in America, we've been brought up to believe that everything we do is awesome and everything that, that is American is the best. However, I'm 44% of the time having a good day. What are these people doing? <laughs> I think you raise an interesting point there. I think I could probably be in the middle of a, you know, a lion and a bear fighting each other up to my neck in quicksand. You walk by and say, hey, Zach. How's your day going? Yeah, you know, it's not bad. Can't complain. Yeah, good day. <laughs> you, know, you can. But I think there's something to be said. When you get down to it, there's that continentally, people in the United States and people in Canada will have the more knee-jerk reaction to say, I'm having a good day, as opposed to the places in Europe where they were more consistent. What I, what, there's two things that jumped out at me about this chart. One is that in every country... People who are saying they're having a bad day is pretty much in the same range. The highest was the United Kingdom. They said 8%. The lowest was actually Poland, where they said 4%. Um, so Poland was the lowest, both with good day and bad day. Was Everyone seems to be having those, those consistent typical days. But I'm wondering to you, does this actually mean we're having good days? Or does it actually mean that, that our bar is set so low? That, Zach, you used the example. You said, oh, I could be getting eaten by a lion and a bear, and I'd still be like, oh, yeah, you know, can't complain, pretty good day. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely doesn't mean that we're having good days. It just means that we feel we should project to other people that we're having a good day. Yeah. It seems almost rude if somebody asks you, hey, Zach, how's your day going? And I say, oh, man, you know, it's it's really not going so great. Oh, Let stop me, you uh, there, Zach. Don't want to hear about this. Exactly. <laughs> so I think we just, we have this societal need to tell other people that we're doing okay, even if inside we're Pagliacci the sad clown. I actually love this because as a man who names Eamon Monaghan, uh, you could say I'm from Northern Ireland or Ireland, really depends on what you want to do, right on the border there. From the United Kingdom perspective, I like to project my born and right as a United Kingdom member to say that my day sucks. That's part of what you have to do. You're allowed to do that in the United Kingdom. We love to complain. I think the only people uh, that like to complain more than us is New Yorkers, but that's okay. The United Kingdom, we hate it. We love it. Be proud. Uh, finally, we'll end with which online platforms should be killed off. I, I love this chart. The Harris Poll gave Americans a number of different social platforms, such as Facebook, Tinder, Snapchat, Spotify, Slack. Uh, and they asked those so uh, people about those social platforms, would you rather kill it and hope it dies, or would you want to fuel it to keep it alive? Now, Twitter had the highest share of people wanting to kill it, with 46% while Facebook had the highest share of Americans wanting to save it with 64%. So, Zach, I'll start with you. What jumped out at you about this infographic? So I drew one big correlation right off the bat. As you can see on the left-hand side there, the first meter that we're showing is people who want to kill the platform and hope it dies. Uh, up there at the top with the highest percentage of people who want that platform to die, we have things like Twitter, Tinder, uh, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. Anything that has a very deep delve into your personal life, any platform where you're sharing personal photos of your family and everybody you know, or you're ranting on Twitter about your you know, political stance, you know, that seems like that has a higher correlation of people saying, I want this to go away, I don't want to be near it, and I hope it stays dead. Whereas at the bottom of the chart, you have more impersonal 
applications like you know Tidal or Spotify or Pandora. These things are not intrusive into anybody's lives. Uh, they're just more media centric, and it seems like people don't really seem to mind if they die. I think that's interesting. Uh, if you remember from last week, I am a little biased here as I don't really use any of the social media out there in the world. However, right now I want to I want to really hate on the streak because I, I took a bath last night with Alabama, so we're back to square one. Back to zero. Back. Well, you had a big had a big win today. Did some European hockey. A little touch and go there, but we were able to get it out at the end. So we're, we're on Ivory Coast right now, so hopefully we can get it. But back to this chart. Real quick. So you're at one right now. I just want to go on record. You were at four last week. Yes. You've done taking a step back on one. Just want to make sure I got it all the way to eight, uh, and then I took a bath last but, night on Alabama. But now you're at one. Now I'm back to one. Was yeah. at higher than one, now at one. Correct. Yes. Just want to make sure. Okay, great. So back to this. Uh, I don't really use any of these. Really... I could get rid of all of these, to be honest. Uh, what I found interesting about this was a, a little different thing. Number one, what are these people doing that they have not heard of some of these? Like, who hasn't heard of Facebook? 4% of this people haven't heard of Facebook. Who hasn't heard of Twitter? This is a complete lack of uh, 11, understanding. 11%. Yeah, 11%. 11%. And, like, honestly, Twitter, people who are saying need to go because of the rants that we have from uh, a very prominent member of our society at this point in time. So I think that's why that influence there. Tinder, I think that it would be less of an issue if it wasn't just a lawless land and riddled with Me Too, hashtag Me Too experiences. So So the Tinder numbers right now, it's at 43% say kill it and hope it dies, while 15, just 15% say fuel it to keep it alive. Right, exactly. And I think that that's, uh, that might be all of the frat boys that are on there wanting to keep it alive. I don't know. I'm very interested to, to see that people wanted to get rid of music sites. What, what is the reason for you to get rid of Spotify or Pandora or Tidal? Who cares? If you don't like it, don't use it. But why would you need to kill it? So I, I'd have to imagine that part of this is the anti, uh, anti-establishment pro-musician I know that there were a lot of campaigns about Spotify, how they're very much underpaying the musicians, that, that things are getting played over and over. So I would have to imagine that the dislike for Spotify, 22% said kill it. Pandora, 19% said kill it. I have to imagine that that's related to people who also hated Napster and said that you know music should not be free. And these people, you know, I assume it, the 22% is just Metallica fans who are upset that they can get Spotify for free. Well, the 22% is just that one guy on the beach who knows how to play Oasis's Wonderwall on the acoustic guitar. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he feels like they should get the royalties here. Yeah, a little kumbaya there moment. We, if I, I, anyway, uh, by the way. If you go to a party and a guy takes out a guitar, are you leaving immediately or are you sticking around to hear the solo? I think I'm going to pull uh, an animal house and just smash it right there on the banister. <laughs> I agree. I think that's uh, that's usually my cue to leave when a guy in the ponytail busts out a, a guitar. What One thing that did jump out at me about this is uh, Tinder had the highest kill it and hope it dies, uh, just like second to Twitter. Um, they were at 43%. Um, and Bumble, another dating app, was also at 19 And what was interesting to me is they were at very similar ratios. Tinder, 43, kill it, 15% fuel it. Uh, Bumble, another dating app, 19 to 7, so similar ratios. Um, And I'm wondering, because I know so many people, and for the record, um, I was never on Tinder, but um, I I got married just a little bit before Tinder came out. However, I knew people who would say, I really like Tinder, but I'm kind of, I don't want people to know. And I knew people that got married. They found them on Twitter, uh, or excuse me, on Tinder, and said, I don't want people to know. We got to tell people it was another story. And so I think it's interesting. And, and I'm wondering how much of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want Tinder to, to die. I kill it and hope it dies. But I'm going to swipe right every Saturday night. 
I think that's probably goes back to the societal implications that we have here. You know, people like, oh, I met my wife on eHarmony. And for some reason, think that that's a bad thing. You know, that's just a new way to find somebody. And if it works out for you, it works out for you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I <laughs> here's the thing about this chart. It really doesn't matter. None of this matters <laughs> yeah. at all. Why are people so vehemently opposed to something like Tidal or something like Snapchat? Who cares? If you don't like it, don't go on it. It's not a big deal. Well, I also, I think that that's, you're exactly right. So I think that what we're seeing is the denigration of social media in general, right? So when they started, most of these were great ideas. I was one of the lucky few to get the Facebook uh, as the second iteration out of Harvard wow. my first year into college. So I was connected with you know potential classmates uh, as well as any other person who had a .edu. Great place, no advertising. All you did was connect with people, get to talk with them. Uh, I was able to connect with my roommate before I went to school. Uh, we would set up pictures. It would be a thing to kind of, uh, you know, look at what the party would be for the next week, where things were going to lay out. You get the invitations. It was awesome. Then you started to let in people without EDUs. Then you started to have advertising. Then the bullying, bullying happened. So very similar to like what we were talking about last week with the denigration of journalism. That's what's happening here as well. As soon as they go to try and monetize these platforms, they start to become uh, a, a nuisance. I left Facebook, Twitter, Tinder, Pinterest, all of these, when the, the advertising started to come in. And that's what the issue is. Uh, I don't know if you've seen recently, but there's been major uh, announcements from Mark Zuckerberg saying he's having to save Facebook now uh, because of the attacks from the, you know, the fake news and also people getting just so fed up with it. Although that they have 2 billion users or unique views a, a month in the U.S., the overall number of users uh, of having accounts is declining. So they need to go through steps. And it has a lot to do with the social implications, like you're saying, from a bullying standpoint, but also more, more so the intrusion into what it was. So Facebook used to be a great place to have your own personal thing. You're able to share it with people you care about. Now you get posts on your wall, newsfeed. I don't know what we're calling it these days, from other people that you've never even heard of. So why would I ever want to see that? If they were able to bring it back, for example, if they were to do the Netflix model where you pay $7 a month to have access to it and there'd be no advertisements, I think you'd see something that people would get interested in and you'd see people that were much more vested in the product and would you would not want to kill it off. I, I don't think you'd have a successful $7 a month Facebook. I don't know, but, uh, I'm not saying that $7 would be the number. I'm yeah. just saying a number. Yeah. So if maybe it's $2 a month. If you get $2 from every user, I think people would do it. And I may even be swayed to go back if it had no advertising or outside. So influence. you're telling me that if Facebook switched to a subscription-based service, you would get a Facebook again? It's possible, yeah. I'll wow. make you a deal then. I Pay me $20 a month <laughs> and you can have a Facebook account. How's that sound? Oh, I certainly don't want anything to be associated <laughs> with your accounts. Fair enough. All right, so before we wrap up this discussion, I think we should go around the horn and each list which one of these platforms we think should die and stay dead. Sure. Eric, you want to kick it off? I mean, it's got to be Twitter. Uh, I really just, to sum it up really quickly, it, it is an awful place. I And I, I love Twitter. I, I look at, you know, it's one of these that I am addicted to, that I use it every day. I get a lot of my news from Twitter. You can pick and choose who's in your feed for the most part. So, so I do like 
Twitter, but it, but it's awful. Um, it's like that. That's the truth. It's it's being used inappropriately. They're not monitoring their content. I know YouTube just made a bunch of changes. They're having human moderators for all of their videos. Twitter is not and will not ever do anything like that. Twitter is, and and really, it's it's just a, an empty space for people to scream into. And the value it provides is is far damaged by the the damage it causes. So I reluctantly have to say, if there's one one of these, we have to kill off and. It's it's I gotta go with the majority here, and it's gonna have to be Twitter. That's fine. I mean, I I agree. I think I'm obligated as a relatively new husband to say we have to kill Tinder. But in all honesty, <laughs> if we had to pick one, it's Instagram. If I have to wait another <laughs> five minutes before I eat my food because we're taking a picture of the burger at Wendy's or wherever we are. Obviously, I go to bigger places than Wendy's. But I, I've got questions. You're, you're taking pictures of your Wendy's burger. I think that uh, might be your problem. It was a suggestion of how ridiculous. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a metaphor of how ridiculous we're doing. So I would absolutely kill Instagram just for my own sanity because I don't use any of these, like I said. However, Instagram is the bane of my existence as it relates to my wife and my interactions. So I am going to say that I have to go with Snapchat. And I have a few reasons for that. Namely, it's just the faces that people make when they hold their phone up in public and stand in my way on the sidewalk. When my wife does it and I turn around and she's 20 feet behind me making some raised eyebrow smirk at some stranger on the internet. Like, this doesn't need to be said. You can send somebody a picture or have a slideshow and set up the projector for your family after your vacation in London. You know, you don't have to be standing there making awful faces and getting in my way, frankly. So Snapchat, I have a bit of a personal vendetta against. That's going to be my my choice there. I also agree with Snapchat as well. Like the filters, I think, especially in this time where we're trying to be more real. You know, we just saw that people are trying to get rid of airbrushing. Those, like anyone could look good with those filters. Like you, I look a picture of me on on Snapchat. I'm like, wow, I really look, I look phenomenal. Is that is that Brad Pitt? Is that who that is I'm looking at? I think you look like Brad Pitt. Yeah. yeah, if if Brad Pitt was stung by every single bumblebee in the world. <laughs> yes, that that's what I look like. Uh, that's all for Statistically Speaking. Big thanks to our chief audio technician, Matthew Struble, and a friendly reminder that you can access all of the charts and infographics we discussed today by visiting Statista.com. You can get our charts of the day delivered directly into your inbox by visiting Statista.com slash chart of the day. Join us next week as we discuss beer. Zach, Eamon, and I will be taking a look at the latest alcoholic drinks report for 2018, and you will not want to miss it. So thank you for tuning in. And remember, 62% of all statistics are made up. So always verify your sources like Statista does. Thanks, and have a good one. Statistically Speaking is brought to you by Statista. Get your free trial today by visiting Statista.com and gain access to over 80,000 topics from over 18,000 sources.